Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for M Plus subscribers. To get full access, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash M Plus. That's M P L U S, or follow the link in the episode description. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Jessie Stevens. And on today's show, the best friend is having an upgrade. We're now having platonic life partners. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it more pressure? And our best and worst of the week, which includes everything from eyebrows to sickness and consent. But first, Jessie. On Wednesday afternoon, just before 5pm, a 35-year-old man named Simon Nellist was attacked by a shark near Little Bay Beach in Sydney's east. You might have seen these headlines. It was around 4.30 yesterday afternoon. This swimmer was in the water just off Bucken Point, uh, which is a few hundred metres from a really popular little beach down here called Little Bay Beach. A swimmer has been mauled to death by a shark in the first fatal attack at a Sydney beach in almost 60 years. An air and land search resumed at dawn this morning at Little Bay, with police and surf lifesavers looking for human remains and the shark responsible for the attack. So it goes without saying that this story is horrific. But it's what happened in the aftermath that we really wanted to talk about today. While this man was being attacked by what has been described as a four and a half metre great white shark, a man on the rocks watching on filmed it. We do not recommend that you watch that video, but the reason that we bring it up is because a lot of people saw it by accident. On Wednesday evening and on Thursday morning, some Australian digital news sites ran the footage. It was shared in group chats and widely on social media. Some sought out the footage, whereas others came across it by sort of being sent it and not knowing the context or it popping up when they were reading a story. So it was consumed by a lot of Australians. I wanted to start with, Holly, you wrote about this video yesterday and why it made you so angry. What incensed you so much about it? So when I'd heard about the shark attack on Wednesday evening, it occurred close to where I used to live. When I used to live in Sydney, I lived on the Eastern Beaches, so I know lots of people who live in Little Bay, and so it was an immediately a talking point. And so, of course, I went online to look at where this happened and what happened. And I hate using the word shocked because it sounds sort of dramatic and cliche, but I was really shocked that the first news site I went to had that video playing. Now, they did have a warning. It did have a thing saying graphic content. On the news site that I saw it on, there was a circle of pixelation over exactly where the attack happened, but you could get all of the context and you could hear it <sighs> and you could hear everything, right? And you could see the splashing. On, and this and- is on Wednesday evening, maybe 
three to four hours after it had happened. And it was also on another news site I went to. Some other news sites, including the Sydney Morning Herald, were saying we have chosen not to. And by the next day, most reputable news sites had made that call. It actually goes against several guidelines and had taken it down. But there is no question that on the evening, it was very readily available. And by then, it was too late. It was everywhere. So when I wrote that story yesterday morning, I felt such fury for two reasons. We all know that you can find anything on the internet if you want to see it. You can find victims of the most horrific acts on there. You can see horrific natural disasters. If you want to, you can go and see that stuff. But what happened with this video in a very short space of time is it was everywhere almost without people's choice. And then the news sites that were serving it were saying that it was news. A fatal shark attack in Sydney is news. No question about Mm. that. We have not had one in Sydney for 60 years, as you said. So it's news. It's news. Who that man was is news. All of those things are news. But the video is not news. And I was incensed because... What is the video? What would you say the video was if it's not news? It's sensationalism. It's voyeurism. and It's a snuff film. It it is. Although it's interesting. So the reaction to the piece I wrote. So the piece I wrote said there's a snuff film playing across the nation's devices today dressed up as news because that very much felt like what was happening at the time. And the reaction to that story has been some people saying, I didn't know that video existed and now you've told me so you've contributed to the problem. But overwhelmingly, the response that I've had in my DMs is, oh my God, I didn't want to see it. It popped up in my group chat. Oh my God, bits of it were played on news broadcasts. My children were shown it at school. My children were shown it at school. My husband was sent it. People were sharing it everywhere. As if this was something interesting that had happened Mm. instead of what it really was, which is literally watching somebody's final horrific moments play out in real Mm. time. It made me very upset because I feel like I don't want to attack the person who filmed that video. I entirely understand the distance that we now have with the way that we film everything in our lives. But we can't allow ourselves to become a little less human. And I feel like if you can't recognize that what you're filming there, what you're watching there, what you're publishing there, if you make the choice to publish it, what you're sharing, if you make the choice to share it, is an actual living, breathing person who, as we all know, has a name, has a family, has a fiance, has colleagues, has people who love him. If you can't see that what you're watching there is his Mm. terror in his final moments and think that is not news, like it just isn't. But isn't that the point, Hole, that we, through a screen, We have lost some of our humanity. So if you look at the people who sent that around, whether they were sharing a news site or it it was then on social media, you know, and posted it to their feeds or made TikToks about it, would they have called their friends and family and said, hey, come and watch this shark attack. It's happening right now. Come over and watch. They wouldn't have. But somehow sending it you know, on my phone where there's all kinds of things to someone who I can't see their reaction in real time, what the internet's given us is this degree of status that comes with having the best, most, oh, my God, content, whether it's something really funny, something really tragic, the Mm. news of something first. If you share that, if you're the one in your social group that shares that, It gives you status. And Mm. I think that the fact that sometimes it's a tragedy is lost 
on people. And obviously, Jesse, I know you have an opinion about this, we'll get to, but I don't want to say that I don't understand the human urge to see something very extreme. Rubbernecking when we drive past a car crash. Yes. And, you know, once upon a time, we watched people fight lions in arenas. You know what I mean? Like there is a human urge and desire to be like, what happens when the worst thing happens? Mm. But I worry that in this particular instance, because even when a lot of news sites took the video down, they still use blurred grabs of it. It was just as if it was totally valid to be looking at this. And I just felt like we need to say it's not because A, for the victim himself, of course, and his family and his loved one, but also for everyone who was traumatised by that, whose relationship with the ocean is now changed forever, whose Mm. fear factor about sharks is now changed forever. We know what that sensationalism does. It really made me upset. It is literal dehumanisation. It's the most kind of logical endpoint of dehumanisation because what people saw there, especially because that video circulated before he had even been identified and we had no name, no story. And in a way maybe that allowed people that distance yes, a little exactly. more. Yes, exactly. I think that people would feel very differently today coming across that video knowing who that man was and actually knowing that he was about to get married and that he was a dive instructor and all of these details make you sort of feel a lot more. Um, it's turned him back into a person rather we, than a piece of content. But yeah. we need to remember that first yes. time. Before we see the photo of the grieving mother or the grieving fiancé, we know there is one. Mm. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, do we have to clap eyes on those people to anyway? But isn't on. that the point that people make about the refugee debate, that the fact that we can't see them and see them as people, mm. it's like dehumanising by calling them boat people or... It's creating that yeah. distance. And so I do think that there was an element of that. I have complicated feelings about where the blame falls because I hope that I would not be the person to bring my phone out in that situation, right? But I was thinking about instances like George Floyd and when something horrific happens, Mm. there must be an instinct that you... But that's bearing witness. And I know it's completely different. However... I take issue with that comparison, but sure. (laughs) When you are seeing something horrific and you are being traumatised, in both instances I would argue that happened... You do not have the time or the space or the mental resources to decide whether what you're filming is a good idea or if it's helpful or not. But you do afterwards when you decide what to do do with it. But you do afterwards, exactly. So with Mm. the George Floyd instance, I mean, that completely changed that case and potentially the course of American history, the fact that someone Mm. decided to get their phone out. With this, I don't know why someone did that. I don't know if they passed it on to one person and then it just exploded. There are people saying that... Maybe that footage, if there was issues with identification, if there were issues with people trying to work out what happened, if they're trying to work out the behaviour of a shark in the water and therefore what kind of shark it was, whatever it is, that there could be something helpful in that footage. Do all of us need to watch it? Absolutely not. But then there's this grotesque human instinct that we all hate within ourselves to see something we're not meant to. And the second we know we're not Mm, meant to, mm, the second we're told not to, we're going to seek it out more. I get that. But I also think the amount of people who've said, I clicked and I can never unsee Mm. that, is significant. And I don't want to, as a mother it, but I'm going to. As a mother, (laughs) I also was thinking about the lessons that kids and teens learn from the fact that that video is so readily available everywhere. Not You don't have to go look for it. It's right there. And one of them is the worst thing that is possible for you to imagine could be happening to you and somebody will film it and then they will share it with their friends. That's mm. really upsetting. 
Hi, Mamma Mia, out loud. It's Holly from the Hunter region. Just ringing to say that gorgeous, gorgeous post-COVID isolation release girls go for a massive walk and binge listen to a week of Mamma Mia out loud podcast. Big thank you, Mia, Holly, Jessie. You guys made it all worthwhile. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. friend is having an upgrade and it comes with a side of added pressure perhaps enter the platonic life partner so it was valentine's day this week lots of chat about love and relationships and the importance thereof and several news sites and indeed ourselves with the quickie our new show did a story about how increasingly there's a movement for recognizing that friendships can be equally important as the central relationship in our lives and there is a group of people who have gone to the extent of naming this as a movement, a PLP, a platonic life partner, Mm. and posting about it on socials and on TikTok and in the places of saying, I have a PLP and this is how it works. Your PLP might be somebody who you have moved cities to be close to. They might be somebody who you choose to live with. They might not. But it's acknowledging a position in your life that this is not a transient one, just in the way that we do not assume that romantic relationships are a transient. This is my person. They are there. It's interesting and complicated, and I want to get your reactions from this bit, which is from the Quickie on Monday, where Elizabeth, who Claire Murphy interviewed, she has a romantic partner, talks about the moment she had to publicly declare who her favourite person was. So there's a card game called Reflex, which is absolutely brilliant. It just asks different questions. It's a conversation starter. And I was playing with my mum and my husband, and the card came up, who is your favourite person? My husband (laughs) looked at me and he's like, of course it's you, but don't worry, I know yours is Tiff. (laughs) And I laughed and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. You know, in her defense, we've known each other our entire lives. She was there first. We know that our partners, you know, are amazing and we love them. But there's just this underlying thing of when you meet, I don't want to say soulmate, but like, yeah, you meet that person. You're like, oh, okay, through everything, they just get it. Oh, that's beautiful. Is that how you feel about your twin, Claire? Yeah, I was just thinking, listening Mm. to that, Luca's reaction when he realized that my book you know, you can only dedicate it to one person. That you can actually dedicate it to more than one person, but <laughs> go on. <laughs> and I chose Claire without even thinking about it, without running it by anyone. I was like, oh, obviously this She's is your PLP. You She's called my her PLP. to Claire the love of my life. Yes, I did. I did. Look, I've never heard you say anything nice about Claire before. Not to her face. But that's the thing about PLPs, yeah. just for no. Mm-hmm. And I do think. Claire would be my life partner and that I would design features of my life around her. And obviously my relationship with Luca is very different and 
I also see him as a life partner, but I can imagine that navigating that with someone could be quite difficult. Well, in a way, what you have there is a PLP, but you have a get out of jail card with her, right? Because she's your twin sister. So of course, right? Nobody, no sane human is going to be like, choose between me and your sister, (laughs) right? But lots of people who claim to be sane might say that about a friend, so what do you think, Mia, about the status of friends in relationships? I feel pressure. I'm now thinking, well, who's my platonic life partner? Like I've got I don't think you have to have some one. very close girlfriends, but no relationship, including friendships, is unconditional. There are always conditions. We're not good at moving on from monogamy, are we? Every time we think we're moving on from monogamy and we're broadening the definition of a relationship, we just project monogamy onto new relationships. That's interesting. And so that's what we're doing is we're like, look, I'm so radical. I'm completely monogamous but with a friend. I don't see it like Mm. that. I see it more that just because you don't have a romantic partner you can still have all the benefits of that without the sex from a platonic life partner. So, you know, particularly for women, there's this sense of, oh, but she never married. Oh, she got a partner. Mm. It's like, well, she might not have a romantic partner, but maybe she gets sex wherever or has a series of partners, but she's got this one person. So all the boxes that we would traditionally think would need to be ticked by a romantic partner. I would say that I couldn't be married to just one person if I didn't have my girlfriends, if I didn't have this group of platonic life partners in my life. And maybe if you flip that idea, because it's interesting, I thought what you thought, Jesse, about how we were talking on a subscriber episode recently about open relationships and about how they seem to be more and more openly talked about. There's another example of that this week with Abby Chatfield and her partner Conrad coming out and saying that they're open. And I reckon we are doing some work to unpick the monogamy idea. And maybe these things are actually going hand in hand, because when you think about it, Sexual relationships automatically have this status bestowed on them that they're very important and that somehow that should, the most important. That, that should be the most important. But why on earth does it make any sense that a guy you've been or a woman that you've been dating for six months or a year even or whatever has a bigger place in your life than someone that you have literally known for 20 years and has been through all your yeah. shit with you? That doesn't actually make any sense. Mm. That person, and not everybody's lucky enough to have that, obviously, but that person who's known you forever is much more of a partner than the guy you've been sleeping with for six months. So I wonder if actually this helps in that evolution of the way we look at relationships to be many people, not everybody, but many people crave intimacy, crave that friendship. And it's actually what a lot of romantic relationships turn into anyway. And then the friction point is about sex and sexual attraction and sexual desire. So if you're upfront about that and you're saying, I have this person in my life who is my intimacy, my everything, the person who knows everything, and then I can go and get sex wherever I can get it makes sense in lots of ways. Yeah, I read an article about this and it was saying it was talking about a woman who went on a dating app, met this guy, really got along but there just wasn't the attraction or whatever and this was years ago and now she says we're platonic life partners and there are pictures of them travelling the world together, they live together, they are so, so happy but there's no sexual chemistry. I think that's great. Yeah, and I think Mm. all the people you miss or you dismiss because you just go, oh, that's not there, especially of the opposite sex. If you're hetero, you just dismiss them because you think that that's not what you're properly looking for. But I also thought looking at that, I wonder if we're lying to ourselves about the permanency of friendship because if people think that having a platonic life partner, and I think life is the operative word there, Mm. means that you'll never have your heart broken, then they're wrong Yeah, because friendships 
will break your heart as hard if not harder than romantic relationships and the aftermath is often even harder because no one gives a shit because it's really weird to cry about a friendship or there's no language or there's no understanding that your life's just fallen apart because someone has, you know, left you in a different kind of way. I think that's really true. But I also think that for women who do have those kind of lifelong friends, there are fewer points of friction than there are with somebody who you also have to you know, maintain a sexual retraction to at all times, discuss everything in your life. There's this pressure all the time that like we're meant to be everything to each other that we don't put on friendships. So it's kind of the status can go in your favour as well as, yeah, you know, in your detriment. It's time for Best and Worst. And for New Outlouders, we know there's a lot of you. We have been dominating the charts. And... <laughs> Just Get it in, drop Mia. that in. Get it in. So best and worst is exactly what it sounds like when we talk about the best and worst parts of our week. Now, it can be deep. It can be superficial. You will hear both of those amongst us today. I'm going to start with my worst. That's the rule so that we end on an up note. My worst was my best a couple of months ago, and that is eyelash lifts. Oh, I have destroyed my eyelashes. Oh, you got too many. Oh, I got dear. too many. They were looking so good. I, know. I kept thinking. I know. But oh, you were no. going hard. Of course. Apparently. <laughs> Mia only goes hard. Oh, no. I need to find a different speed. Yeah. <laughs> other than just stopped and too fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because. How many did you get? Like, I thought you had to get them every six weeks. No, you don't. That's <laughs> too many. And even when I last went, she said, hmm. When was the last time you were here? And I said, oh, I don't know, about six weeks ago. I don't know why I had that in my mind. I think that's because around how often I'd have mm. to tint my eyebrows, which I used to do at home. But after lockdown, I got overexcited with the grooming yeah. and I thought I'm going to just treat myself to some things. People touching my face. And I was like, I got an eyelash lift and it's amazing and look at my lashes. And then I went again six weeks later. I think I've had three, probably six weeks apart oh. each. Now they've all fallen out pretty much. <laughs> oh, no. Mia. They still look okay. Life They're not lesson. great. Life and I've lesson. got my serum that's meant to, anyway. Are you so using your serum to I am, but grow them? It's, they're still falling out. So okay. don't get a lash lift. Also, they're addictive. No, you can get one. Get okay. one if you've got a fancy event coming up, but don't use what? it Do you as mean, like. Are you talking about moderation? Yes. Yes. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Follow the guidelines. My best is that I went to Hamilton last night. Oh. So Claire Stevens. Your twin was kind enough to respond to my bullying and give me her tickets that yes. she had for opening night because she'd already <laughs> been to see it last year. So it was the second time I'd seen it and it was, I guess, 18 months later. So different. So, mm. Isn't I mean, it, it was amazing? amazing when I saw it. Yes. But it was just. You was watch just, everyone get better. Yeah. And it was just lovely to be in an audience and actually the understudy shout out to understudies. The understudy was playing Eliza, which is the main, one of the female leads. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was amazing. Mm. She was amazing. I had no disappointment whatsoever. She was incredible and I thought, good on you getting a red hot go. It must be hard being an understudy. Anyway, Hamilton's great. Get to the theatre if you can. Support artists. Hol. I have to go because I'm busting. You really are. Yeah, Holly is holding out on us about what her best and worst. Usually we kind of give each other hints during the meeting. but Holly have a secret, Holly? Yeah, I do have a secret. She's pregnant. Can you you not say that? (laughs) What's your worst? So you know how last week I could only think of worst? On the show last week I said I'm having one of those weeks when I can only think of worst and that tells me something about my state of mind. This week I can only think of bests, which tells you something about my state of mind. So I'm not doing worst today. I'm bending the rules. I'm doing bests. Go. 
Petty Best's Super Bowl halftime show. Shout out to oh. everybody of a certain age who lost their freaking minds when the Super Eminem. Bowl. Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, mm. Mary J. Blige. Oh my God, I embarrassed the shit out of anyone in my vicinity, including my workmates, by just losing my mind to that. Gen X's represent. <laughs> massively, massively. But no, my best best is a secret. So you know how this year and last year, oh, and the other, I should mention, I did finish my book, so that was also a big thing. It's not even that. It's not even that. You know how we haven't been able to be excited about anything because all plans change. So this is why this is a secret and I haven't mentioned it till today. But right now, my parents <gasps> are in the air. And at 9.21 tonight, oh, I'm no. going to be at Sydney Airport with my children. See, oh, parents. my God. For the first time in how long? Seeing my parents for the first time in more than two years. Oh. And I'm just so excited. And I haven't said anything because we've you didn't had want to jinx it. weeks of tests and paperwork and visas and freaking exemptions, which, of course, are all those rules are changing next oh. week and anyone can walk in. Then I was like, they messaged me last night to say, we've just checked in, we've just got through security and I felt like I can exhale and go, it's actually happening. happening. So tonight I'm going to see my parents with oh. my kids and I can't wait and it's my best and I hope that lots of Outlouders are also having the reunions that they've oh. waited so long for. How long are they staying? Six weeks. So in about two weeks my worst will be, will my fucking parents go home? <laughs> they obviously haven't seen the kids for so long and the kids are so grown up and we've moved to the country and all that stuff so massive best so excited that's so dying that's incredible i know jesse stevens i have two quick worsts and then a best first quick worst is i was obviously sick on wednesday so i couldn't make the show i fainted and i remembered how much I hated fainting. Do, have either of you guys fainted <laughs> so before? I like fainting. I'm not much of a fainter. I fainted like twice yeah. in my entire life. I didn't mind it. Are you a fainter? You're a fainter though, aren't you? No, I've only fainted See, once. I am a fainter mm. and I faint from like pain or from nausea or from like I think I had a fever or something. So it was that. And it capitalism. is just <laughs> capitalism, <laughs> things you wear, that kind of mm. thing. But I was like feeling so unwell and then fainted and I just remembered that it is just the worst feeling in the whole world and then woke up and thought I would be feeling better and I wasn't and it was just a brutal 24 hours but I am on the mend doing well but sometimes yeah those boosters throw you I'm in the minority because I haven't heard anyone else have a reaction like that but anyway my other worst and I was sent this by a bunch of outlouders and again I haven't brought this up with me yet I thought I'd do it on the show. Oh, okay. Holly, mm. did you see the video of Mia thinking that wearing a bra over her clothes looks good? <laughs> uh, did you see that? Look, I saw it and then I was like, I think I have to look away. Yeah. <laughs> it was You weren't alone in that sense. So <laughs> bad. So Mia had this beautiful dress oh, on I the other that. day. She has this blue dress a skirt that I, that I was love. wearing as a dress. Oh, well, either way, it's a gorgeous dress. It, it looked great. To be like a strapless dress. And then apparently, according to this video that was served to me on the internet, <laughs> Mia put a blue lacy bra over the top. Your daughter was lying to you. I think she was trolling And me. trolling you when she said, that looks good, mum. Because she's never said that ever to me no. before. So I was like, maybe it does. Maybe it's a thing. <laughs> so Mia does this video going, I think I've invented something, guys. I invented this and I was like, is she for real? I know. I just was like, I think Mia's finally lost it. I better (laughs) scroll on, preserve her dignity. Do you know, it's Carrie's fault because I've been watching and just like that and I've been like, I need to be dressing more like Carrie again. Why did I ever stop? I'm going to put a bra on over my dress. 
No. Can we put that video? We'll put that video on the Mum Mia out on loud Instagram, um, Instagram yeah. because it's really upsetting. And I just yeah. want to see. I read the comments just to check I wasn't yeah. alone. They were, no, you weren't alone. No, everyone no, knew it was bad. It's true. Best is consent education. Everyone will remember Chanel Contos who last year put a poll up on Instagram asking about girls who she'd gone to school with and whether they'd experienced any sort of sexual assault or confusion around consent and the results were pretty remarkable. And started a like this tsunami movement. of yeah. Of awareness and understanding of, because of what consent is. Exactly. And how many young girls have been sexually assaulted by young boys. What she was pointing out was that we have sex ed and we do PDHPE and we learn about our bodies, but what there doesn't seem to be a spotlight on is consent and how to be clear whether someone has given you consent, what affirmative or enthusiastic consent is. Anyway, it's so good to see that change can happen and yeah. that the government Makes unanimously so went, yeah, we need this in schools. So it Power will be of young women. made mandatory in all Australian schools after state and federal ministers unanimously agreed to enshrine it in the curriculum. Happy days. Love that. Love some good news. Quick recommendations before we go. Mia's been talking about her eyelashes. I need to talk about my eyebrows, right? Since I moved and everything, I never have time to go and get my eyebrows done properly. Mm. My eyebrows are actually yellow. If I don't what, put like stuff on like a Simpson them, character. Yeah, exactly like a Simpson character. And they're also bushy and unruly. And I'm sure I've done them badly today, so don't look at my brows. But anyway, I have a whole bag. My makeup bag is just brow things. I have expensive brow things. I have cheap brow things. I have things that I, you know, spent a fortune on at Mecca. I've discovered something relatively cheap. It's not super cheap that has changed my brow game. Mm. It is by Emco Beauty, which you buy in Woolies. It's a knockoff, I'm sure, of something fancy because it's this thing that's called Model Co Instant Brows and it's like a little pomade and it has a little sponge foot in it. Mm -hmm. So you pull the lid off and it's like a little tube with a sponge foot mm -hmm. and then you have a plastic template thing that you put over your eyebrow like this. Does that stuff work? And I then you go think... like this woo, 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 and rub over and then you take the template off and it looks oh. a bit too perfect for people like me. So then you smush it up a bit with a spoolie and it stays. It's not a permanent thing. It's like just for no, a day It thing. washes off. What's right? it called? Okay. It's called Model Co Instant Brows Express Kit. And it's one of the 25 brow products in my bag, but one that actually is working Does it come in different shades? It does. Okay. And mine is a brown one, obviously. Mm. And it's a little, I can go too hard on it. Feel free to tell me when I've overstepped. I love it today. You're in a hurry sometimes and you mm. pomade is quite full on. But I found it really easy to use with this little plastic template i feel like i'm doing craft oh. at school it's <laughs> and how much is it it's 35 dollars for the kit so okay. it's not like super cheap mm. but it's cheaper than a lot of the other mm. things that i have seen marketed to me and my brow problems in this particular Love that. area that is all we have time for on this wonderful fabulous friday thank you for listening to this episode of mom mirror out loud it was produced by emma gillespie and the executive producer is our eliza ratliff Go and listen to yesterday's subscriber episode because we've started a little series here. Jessie Stevens, she's a trendsetter and she wanted to do a subscriber app that was about her biggest regrets. And some of them are silly and some of them are serious, like best and worst, really. And they're great. So yesterday's episode is Jessie's and then Mia and I got FOMO and decided we had to do them too. I think that perhaps all of us, this should be one subcategory for regret, is beauty. Do you mean things that you've done or yes. things that you haven't done? Both. The first okay. one is I regret not getting laser sooner. Oh. Why didn't I get it at 20 instead of 
31. Was it invented? What kind of laser are you talking about? Laser hair removal where you just do your armpits, you do your bikini line, Mm. all of that. I think it was too expensive 10 years ago. It was expensive and also it was new. Like it wasn't around and very easily available that long ago, I don't think. It's gotten a lot more affordable, but it is one of those things that the second you do it, you're like, why did I not do this years earlier? So next week you'll get mine, Biggest Life Regrets, the week after probably Mia's, but go listen to Jessie Stevens' Biggest Life Regrets in the Mama Mia subscriber feed. Now we'll put a link in the show notes. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.